We're in uh, week three of a fantastic series called The Domino Effect. And for the past couple weeks, we have been examining how small acts of faithfulness can have a domino effect in our spiritual lives. Meaning if you build on faithful decision after faithful decision, God exponentially grows your walk, your spiritual walk in him. And it affects your life and those around you. Last week, Pastor John and Pastor Mark shared a powerful message from St. Paul's testimony and teaching about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. The messages were a verse-by-verse teaching about how magnificent our Lord Jesus Christ is. And it makes me want to be more and more a Jesus dude. <laughs> and so, each of these messages is like a domino. I pray that it will build up your spiritual life. Today, ironically, we are looking at cleaning up. (laughs) I'm not talking about cleaning up the worship center, (laughs) but I'm talking about cleaning up our lives and what Paul has to say about that. Colossians chapter 2 and 3 are cleansing chapters. And when heard and applied, will make your life Radiant, like you're wearing new clothes that have been washed in heavenly waters. Or if you're from the 1970s, it's like using Calgon. (laughs) Clean. And it's not some ancient Chinese secret. It's right here in the Bible for us. No secret. A cleansing of heart and mind and soul. In chapter 2, Paul teaches the Colossians that they're no longer bound to the authorities and rules that once imprisoned them, that they died to them. And there was a separation that Paul proclaims, and he talks about the world's ways and the world's condemnation and judgments. And he warns them not to handle, not to taste, not to touch those ways. He reminds them that instead of planting their foundations in the practices of the world, they must remain connected to the head and have the mind of Christ. And in him, everyone can find freedom. Freedom from sin, wisdom for daily life, and strength to produce and pursue holiness. Folks, early Wednesday morning, I had a dream. (laughs) Believe it or not, I dreamt that I was on Cincinnati's city council. (laughs) In my dream, I was in my first day of city council. To no surprise, the people on the council were arguing with each other. They were condemning each other. And in the middle of all the backbiting and arguing, I spoke up and I said, hey, I'm new here and I have an idea. This is so vivid in my dream. I said, let's share what we love about Cincinnati. And then I just proceeded to tell them how I was born on the west side and I uh, migrated over to the east side in the course of my life. And then there was this faceless person that began condemning me. Telling everyone my faults and failures. That I didn't have credibility to say anything. And at that moment, my dream became lucid. I gained awareness that I was dreaming, but I was still in a state of sleep. 
I took control of the meeting again. And I said, wait, wait. I, I pressed the pause button. And immediately my brain went into the ideas of St. Paul, chapter 3, verses four, 1 through 4, believe it or not. And because I had worked on my sermon the day before. And I said in my dream, I said, keep, keep your minds in heaven where Christ is. And then I woke up. My dream stopped. I looked at my cell phone. It was 514 in the morning. And I laid there and I processed everything until my wife's cell phone alarm went off. Eventually, I went downstairs and I, I reread Colossians chapter 3 again. And the reason why I'm telling you about this dream is because there's voices from the world that are filled with deceits and lies and condemning constantly. These voices of condemnation can spring up in our own lives from time to time and try to take control. There are unwritten ways and practices that the world tries to make us follow as well. There's an, even an air of superiority if the ways of the world are practiced and stated unwritten. Paul's writings, though, they counter these voices. Let's look at the first four verses of Colossians 3, 1 through 4. He says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. Folks, Paul here is making an amazing general statement about head and heart. He begins telling them that they've been raised with Christ. And he parallels the statement that he made in Colossians 2.20. He says, since you have died with Christ. And this symbolizes the split between the old life they once lived. Especially in the hollow and deceptive philosophies of the world and the external rules of the law. That being raised with Christ emphasizes a new status of these believers. A new way of a life in freedom. Our head and heart, they need constant calibration, I believe, each day. And it, sometimes even each hour. Paul says, keep your heart in heaven where Christ is seated. I want you to pause for a second and allow that to permeate your heart. Christ is on the throne. Let me say that again. Christ is on the throne. Set your heart on that authority and reign. And that keeps you tethered in an amazing way, doesn't it? I know it does for me. Next he says, set your mind, your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The world is full of condemnation and crazy thinking. It's full of voices that sometimes call us a failure, which can turn into self-condemnation and self-hate. And we see it all over the place in the way and the practices of the world, especially through social media. Now, I'm not Sigmund Freud, but I believe the Holy Spirit helped me take control of my dream and guard my mind from these self-accusations, and I had the seedbed of these verses in my brain at the time. 
You see, folks, to be a Christian is to change the status. We need to separate from the world's dictates to change our reality. And it is to become new. And it's a newness that comes time and time again over and over and over as we walk in this world. It's not simply a matter of choosing a new lifestyle. It's a new style of living. It has to do with being a new person and having a new pattern of living. If a new person does not emerge A new person does not emerge fully blown in that image immediately. It takes time. Conversion, passing from life to death, may be a miracle in a moment for some, but a making of a new heart and mind, it does take time. And when we stay and fix our eyes on Christ and his teaching, it can have a domino effect as these small mental changes begin to grow within us and begin to protect our minds from the influences and dictates of this insane world. The new process of saint making is to work out, in fact, what is already very dynamic in principle according to what God says to us. In position in our relationship to God in Jesus Christ, we are new persons. Now our condition, the actual life that we live, must be brought into harmony with our new position. Remember, Paul says that you died to the worldly ways and the worldly thoughts. And you are raised into a new authority and reign that is over you. A new reality. Where you see, God sees us differently than the world views us. The world, and sometimes we look at ourselves, and we see all the warts and the blemishes and our failures. That's not how God sees us. And because we ask him for forgiveness, he blots out all of our past failures to where we have a newness and clean slate in our walk in this world constantly. And then he sees us as what we can become. Like in the yet, without the curse of those imperfections. I don't know if you remember the classic fairy tale, Rapunzel. It's the story of a young girl imprisoned in a tower with an old witch. And the young girl is in fact very, very beautiful. But the witch insistently tells her that she is ugly. This was the witch's way of keeping the girl imprisoned in the tower within herself. One day, however, Rapunzel is gazing out the window of her tower, and at the base of the tower stands Prince Charming. And Rapunzel, she throws down her hair, that long, beautiful golden hair, to the prince. And he takes it and he braids it into a ladder, and he climbs up to rescue her out of that reality. You see, the point is this. The real prison Rapunzel finds herself in is not the tower, but the thoughts of her own ugliness, which comes from an outside source. The witch has described so often and so effectively that ugliness to her. The witch has convinced her that she is of no value. However, when Rapunzel sees in the eyes of her lover her own reflection that she's beautiful, she's freed from that real tyranny of her own imagined ugliness. We need to see ourselves through the eyes 
of a God who has created us as priceless, chosen, and treasured. Who sustains us and loves us with an everlasting love. That's our beauty. That's our reality. It comes from here and here. And we have to get it into these places. If we see ourselves only through the world's eyes, we can become overwhelmed by our ugliness. But if we see ourselves through God's eyes, then we see ourselves in an entirely new light. Let's look again at verse uh, Colossians 3, 4. He says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Imagine yourself in glory, not in the future, but in the now, right now. Glory today. That's real for you, my friends. And it's a new nature, it's a new self that is available to us. And we need to claim it. Let's go as Paul continues in the cleansing process here in Colossians 3, 5 through 6. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You see, Paul wants us to put to death the thoughts and patterns of this earthly nature. This is the outcome if we practice And set our longings on the world's ways. And these lists of vices are all external and they are of no value to us. Paul wants the readers in his letters to put these things to death. (laughs) To put them to death. Kill it. However you choose to do that, just make sure that it dies. And do everything within your capabilities and even outside your capabilities to put these things to death. Absolutely don't practice it and don't feed it because these desires will grow and take control. And most of it has to do with sexual sin. But it also includes greed and idolatry. And really it is all idolatry. Paul warns that you can't find your identity in these exterior sources. Let's look at Paul as he continues the cleansing language. Colossians 3, 8 through 10. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Look at all these practices, my friends. Everyone has to do with thoughts and feelings, and then those thoughts and feelings becoming a part of words, actions by the mouth. And all of these things destroy community. They destroy community. Anger refers to a common feeling, a chronic feeling, as opposed to outbursts of rage. More subtle expressions of anger ooze out in malice to where we become spiteful in our pot shots to defame other people's reputations. You see this happening in the world all the time in the reactionary ways. You see it on Twitter. You see it in Facebook. You see it in all kinds of news and the way people talk about each other and slander each other. 
Filthy language from your lips doesn't necessarily refer to curse words, but abusive language used to harm, to do harm to another. Paul says, rid yourself of it all. And these lists are the ways of the world. And then Paul makes a shift. He shifts into a now that you are cleared up, cleaned up, now that you have rid yourself of all these things, disregarded these old practices, he begins to start talking about new clothes. In Colossians 3, 12 through 14, this is so beautiful. This is poetic. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul begins with the fact that these folks are claimed by God, that they're chosen, they're dearly loved, that they are priceless and have incredible value. Paul uses the image of having stripped off old filthy rags and putting on like a new suit, putting on new clothes. There's nothing like a nice new suit, is there? Or ladies dress. I, don't, I can't identify with the dress thing. But there's nothing like a nice new suit. Man, I just stand there. Everything's fitting right and it's sharp. And it looks like this, this up here. There's nothing like it. It gives you confidence. Putting on new clothes. You see, there's this transition that takes place in the life of a believer. There's a solid moral transformation of, of confidence. It's like new Calgon clothes. Washed by God's word. Washed in a way that the identity is set certain in him. Washed in keeping the heart and the mind on things above with eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and his attitudes and actions. All of these attitudes and attributes and characteristics are what we do see in Jesus Christ. When we fix our eyes on him uh, and practice his practices, these virtues will become us. A new identity and action is created and we become like Christ. And we begin to operate and practice as if we are Christ. Every article of clothing. He talks about compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, and forgiveness. And then he says, above all, put on love. And it's like this overcoat that binds it all together in unity. Paul continues with how we need to continue to to clean up. Let's look at Colossians 3, 15 through 17. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, this is the reality of Christian community, my friends. This is what we inherit together. We need each other. 
We need this cleaning up in community together. We gather to lift each other up into the heavenly realms and a new way of thinking. And we keep each other there in that reality. Look at where Paul goes. He gets into this collective language for the betterment of all. Taking off old self and putting on new is not something that we're meant to to just do alone. It can seem overwhelming to do alone at times and keep these garments on and keep these practices going. It's sometimes impossible. A task that that is heavy and burdensome to do alone. But we know that we do have the power of Christ through his Holy Spirit in us. But we also have a community of believers. A community of believers helping us. And there should be peace in community. Thankful hearts together, he says. Teaching each other. Admonishing one another. What does it mean to admonish in a biblical way? Biblical admonishing is just keeping each other sharp. When it comes to right living. Correcting. When needed. It's a lot different from telling someone that their fly is down. It's, it's mutual. You know what man? Step into this reality. This is how I see it. Admonishing should be done with wisdom. Paul says use psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit of God. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And what does this do? It keeps our hearts and our minds in the heavenly realms where Christ is. It elevates life and living. And it keeps us clothed with virtue. I want to share a testimony from one of our small groups, uh, which is called a band. And it's, it's uh, four, four different people. Uh, actually, these are four ladies. And a testimony comes from one of them. And it's about a person that's being admonished. And she says, during my band meeting, I was sharing how it was with my soul and my struggles and successes. I shared my difficulties with my husband and my kids and my frustrations. After my time was over, a band member member admonished me and said, I hear a spirit of resentment. We're going to pray against that negative spirit. And they did. They prayed against that negative spirit. And here was the outcome. It made me step back and look at what I was angry about. I had unresolved forgiveness, unresolved anger and frustration. And there was a healing and I chose to let go. Folks, don't do it alone. There's help all around us. It can just take one or two people It reminds me of a young woman named Linda who was driving through the lone area of Alberta, Canada, and she was driving to the Yukon. And she spent one night in one of the rare hotels in that that area. The next morning, there was a breakfast area in that hotel, and she was seated next to two truckers. They asked Linda where she was going, and she she said she was driving to Whitehorse in the Yukon. One of the truckers looked in the window outside and he says, is that your Honda Civic? And she said, yes, that's my Honda Civic. He said, you're driving the white horse in the Honda Civic to the Yukon? She nodded, yeah. And the trucker said, you know what? My buddy and I are just going to hug you. And she stepped back and she said, you're not going to touch me. But the truckers chuckled. He said, no, 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 not like that. 
we're going to put one truck in front of you and one in the rear. And that way, we'll get you through the mountains. And so they did. And Linda drove safely to the Yukon. Most of us Christians, we need to be hugged along life's pathways with a fellow Christian who are up front and and those Christians that we can look up to who, who know how to lead and with others behind gently encouraging us so that we can pass safely and navigate life together. A wonderful place to be hugged is within a Christian support group, a life group, or a small band of people, or just maybe one other believer. Most of us need a person or people who we can meet with regularly. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am with them. And we can find that special reality with him. Because he is there, his spirit can permeate that fellowship and can make scripture sometimes leap off the pages and be inserted in our lives so that we can live out its practices. And we can become powerfully equipped to challenge to comfort and encourage each other. Here's another testimony from one of our bands. This person says, I reluctantly joined a band. My first thought is that I would give it a try and, and if it didn't work out for me, I would, then I would not attend. Over two years later, I say that being part of a band has been one of the best personal spiritual growth opportunities. Meeting weekly with people in my band, I learned to let down the walls that I carefully guard around others. As the members of the band shared from their hearts and we grew to know and appreciate one another, I began to open up and allow the others to truly know me. Once that happened, I began to feel differently, transformed by the power of God's love spoken through the band members. The more transparent I became, the more I was drawn to the amazing presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. I learned a lot from my band members and have grown deeper in my walk with Christ. One of the times we, one time we gathered, two people shared about a conflict with extended family members. I recall driving home and feeling deep conviction that I was like those challenging family members in my attitude and thoughts toward my own extended family. Until then, it had not occurred to me that my attitude and thoughts were sin I was holding on to. My mindset was unhealthy. And it created a distance in loving my own family. The following week, I confessed the sin to my band. It was incredibly freeing. And I released a heaviness that I had been carrying for far too long. Wow. What a powerful testimony. Perhaps it's time for you to meet weekly with someone or a couple other people's people. To find that enrichment in your life. Each week we offer something for you to put into practice and we've been doing that through this domino effect series. Here's the put into practice for the week. Do this. Sit down with a trusted friend this week and confess how you've been submitting to the rules of the world rather than to Christ. And then pray for each other. Let's pray together. Dear God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would permeate our lives so that we can experience these new clothes of living a life that has these beautiful virtues that come from our identity being in you, Lord. 
May this reality fill us so that our lives can become like you. So that the world would experience transformation from just having a beneficial relationship with us. May we abandon the world's rules and practices and may we live in this biblical reality that you show us through your faithful servant, Paul. Bless this time and may your Holy Spirit move within us to let go and to put on new clothes and the new reality in you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.